Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the um, podcast, uh, Quant Financial Engineering Podcast. Uh, we have uh, with us uh, Professor uh, Omid Malakan from uh, Columbia Business School, and um, he, he will introduce himself a little bit, but I just want to frame for everyone what it is that we're going to be talking about, two important words, crypto and research. And I will let him um, expand on that. And um, hopefully we have a, an interesting and, uh, and lively discussion. So, uh, Amid, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Thank you, Patrick. And thanks for having me on here. Uh, as you said, I am an adjunct professor at Columbia Business School, where I teach an introductory class to business school students on blockchain and crypto with a fairly technical bent to it for a business school class. Um, I'm also involved with various other uh, student and um, professor-led initiatives in the broader Columbia community, all about crypto. I have been teaching for the last four years. Uh, I make my living, though, actually working within the crypto industry or with people or companies or even government institutions that are trying to get their arms around it. Um, before doing what I do now, I have a Wall Street background. I was a trader a long time ago and had some other roles. So a lot of what I do is think about uh, the intersection of the old financial system and this new one. Great. So um, crypto and research, tell us about, uh, you're calling it the... Uh... The frontier, the, the new frontier. So um, explain to us what you mean by that. I think for anyone who is interested in doing financial related and, and quantitatively focused research and wants to have an impact, crypto is a great area for them to focus on right now uh, for a few different reasons. First of all, it's brand new. So you know, if you look at the equity market or even more recent hot fields like private equity, a lot of very smart people have done a lot of smart analysis. A lot of papers have been published. There are generally accepted beliefs, both in the academic community and the uh, practitioners, say in finance, about how these markets and practices work. Crypto doesn't have any of that. Uh, because it's one, it's just it's brand new. You know, Bitcoin is still only 14 years ago old and everything else that came after it is five years old at best. Um, so it's new. And then it's also very different uh, because of the decentralization, because of the integration of ideas, not just from the world of finance, but also from the world of technology, cryptography, game theory, economics, uh, even social fields um, that has to do with how communities of people coordinate themselves. So without getting too much into it, there's enough about crypto that's just fundamentally different, uh, that it's almost begging for ambitious and curious people to show up and think about it and try to help establish some concepts. Um, and then the third thing is since transparency is a fundamental tenet of the crypto world, 
all of the data that anybody could ever want to do any kind of analysis is publicly available and free. Uh, and that is, I think, a great enabler because as you know, and your students know, a lot of times somebody has an idea and something that they want to research, but the, the first challenge is to actually figure out where they can get the data that they need to analyze. Um, at Columbia, we are in the process of setting up our own Bitcoin and Ethereum nodes, uh, which for those who don't know, means that we will have our own perfectly clean copies of how those ecosystems operate and they update in real time. And that's the kind of access that you just don't get in the traditional financial system. So in terms of research itself, what some are some of the, the, the topics you think that that deserve attention at this point? So one, valuation metrics. This is a question that I get asked, particularly from investors all the time, which is how do I begin to value something like a Bitcoin or an Ethereum or even some of the decentralized applications that are built on top of them? Um, I don't have an answer to that question, but I think it's a great question. And I think it's something that, we'd all benefit from if smart people looked into it and put forward ideas. Um, you know, the, the one thing people miss, I think, is that almost all valuations, like if you're talking about the price to equity ratio of a stock, like they are social phenomenon. Um, you know, they're not laws of nature. PEs, there are times when the S&P has a P of 15 and other times when it has a P of 30. And there's debate as to whether that's because of interest rates, growth expectations, productivity, et cetera. But nevertheless, having some kind of generally agreed upon valuation frameworks, I think, helps stabilize markets because they give investors a general idea. Are we undervalued here? Are we overvalued? Crypto doesn't have that, which I think is one of the reasons why it's so volatile. We have no idea what something like a fair value of a Bitcoin might be. Um, so that means that Everyone's just a momentum trader or investor. So valuation is one. Um, and, and people have tried, like there have been some attempts, for example, to apply uh, the kinds of valuation metrics that are used for physical commodities like oil and gold to Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin does have quote unquote mining. Mining has a cost. Uh, so... That to me is actually a great example of why we need more nuanced thinking, because for reasons I won't get into here, if you understand how Bitcoin works, something like the cost of mining is kind of irrelevant, as opposed to oil or gold, where the cost of getting the stuff out of the ground is usually a pretty good floor for reasons of how the supply um, will react to price changes. But that's just one example. Um we have projects that actually have yield. So uh, Ethereum, the second most prominent platform and coin last year, transitioned to a different security model called proof of stake. So now it has an interest rate associated with it. Um, but it's not exactly the same as the interest rate you would get from lending money. Uh, so there too, there's a lot of interesting opportunity to do all sorts of analysis. Um, and for those who are not interested in valuation, the unique attributes of blockchain allow financial 
models that don't or maybe even can't exist in the traditional system. And just one example of that uh, is there is this ecosystem of decentralized finance that uses features like smart contracts or tokens on a platform like Ethereum uh, to offer some of the same services as traditional financial intermediaries, but without the intermediaries. So exchanges are a big part of the traditional financial system. There are cryptocurrency exchanges that are very similar to a stock exchange, but they're also decentralized exchanges that use completely different approaches to liquidity provisioning, just to throw something out there for anybody who wants to look into it. Uh, In DeFi, we have automated market makers. And some of these are wildly successful and they use a combination of code and algorithms to provide liquidity as opposed to what we have in the traditional markets, which is people um, and and, high frequency trading firms and whatnot. Um, And those are just a few examples of products or solutions that I would say are here to stay because they serve a purpose, but then we have a long way to go to have a real good understanding of how they work, what they're good at, what they're not good at, how they should evolve going forward and so on. So different type of analysis, uh, different type of topics. Uh, I mean, I, I like the idea of having a crypto PE, although it's, a, it's, a, it, it's got its own... Um, but this is not new, it's just that you would apply to, to the crypto P. So, so if you're able to do different type of analysis and different type of topics, is that the reason why it's not really taking at the university level in terms of research? Is that why? Because all, all, all everyone has been really educated on a you know prior to really the crypto world, at least understanding crypto. So do you think that that researchers don't don't have the don't have the 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 wherewithal or uh, they they don't understand it or they don't think there's interest in it probably all of the above <laughs> and, and I, I mean there are some wonderful research academics doing really interesting work some of them are my colleagues uh at columbia but but yeah so one there is a learning curve here um because if you do want to go and say, try to figure out how to value Bitcoin or how to analyze the staking return on Ethereum, you have to first go and understand how these protocols actually work. And that's not a small undertaking. You know, every semester I joke with my students at the start of the term that I have been confused about crypto for almost 10 years, so they don't have to be. Uh, but because you, know, you have to now go and learn about distributed systems, consensus, cryptography. And these are things that if you just have a finance background, you know very little about. Uh, so I think that's definitely a part of it. Maybe the biggest part. Uh, and then the other part is there is the question of interest because of some of the negative headlines that crypto gets, the the volatility that it always has. You know, I still run into people at my school or other schools who, when I tell them what they do, they're like, oh, crypto, that's still a thing. I thought that would have gone away by now. So 
for anyone to undertake a major research project and potentially um, put their career on the line, they do have to believe. And a lot of people are curious, but but maybe they haven't been convinced yet. I mean, I do have students working on blockchain projects in my in my quant um, um, program, and they, and they find it interesting. It's just that when I look at what they do versus what the typical quant finance student does, you know, having to do with um, multi-factor models or credit default swap or you know natural language processing uh they the the language that they talk is very different right so so the other student will look at them and say what are they what are they doing and say well you know this, this is it's, it's different it's a different language it's a different ways of but but still the skills are the same you still need to you still need to code and uh you, you need to do a, a lot of different things so you have to you have to be prepared to to adapt and i guess my concern is that if you go to academics uh, and and obviously academics always i mean you need to publish it right i mean was it the journal of finance or um, some of the bigger paper do they actually is there is there a, is there a publication that focuses on uh, crypto papers or or is it still not even there yet there are, I believe, a few very small niche ones, but yeah, mostly it's not even there yet. What you do get is that every once in a while, um, major publications focusing on things like economics, finance, um, they will publish something related to crypto. And there have been some very notable established economists and researchers from other fields who have looked at some aspect of crypto and and doesn't just have to be the financial one there was a very interesting paper uh from a few very established economists at harvard and other places a couple of years ago that tried to establish what percentage of the uh volume or flows of bitcoin were being actually used for remittances and it was a very interesting project where they looked at uh, some of the markets in places where you would expect to be high cross-border movement of money, like in Latin America. Um, and then they tried to layer the Bitcoin data with other data, like power outages and, and you know what would happen if the power goes out. And uh, so that does happen. Um, but ultimately, yeah, there are challenges here. I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like all someone has to do is show up and they could start doing the analysis and if it's good analysis it'll easily get them published in a job if they're looking for it but i will say as the uh, as an old trader um the market rewards the people who take on these challenges and if anyone decides to say well i'm going to wait you know i'll wait a few years until the field becomes more established and there are journals dedicated to it and it's easier to know what to research. Um, that's fine, but there are going to be diminishing returns on impact. Isn't that what happened when, um, you know, CAPM and uh, um, Markowitz portfolio theory 
and the efficient market hypothesis um, with Eugene Fama and all. They, they all came out at the same time. I mean, they, they had worked on it in the 50s, but then they, they got the prices right about the same time when the market was taken off coincidentally. Um, and you're right. Uh, yeah, the, the time to, to, to do it is at the beginning because then obviously the market took off and then, and then you know, then we had the, the 80s and 90s and things start to get crazy. But for a while there, it was a very nice, smooth uh, stock market progression um, because people use whatever they came up with and they thought, oh, this is great. And so they got lots of fame for it. Everybody made money. And then, of course, we realized it's a little more complicated than that. Uh, and then there was a few crashes along the way. But I could see where we, I mean, we don't even have a P ratio, a P, a P ratio for crypto. So, yes, uh, if someone wants to get involved in that, that's the right time because um, they will reward you for bring forth some, th some new thinking. And at the end, is then research, what research is about. Um, but I think there might be a, a, a timing. Um, Markowitz worked on it in the 50s. So it took him, what, 40 years to get this Nobel Prize. And so <laughs> it doesn't last that long. Let's, let's, but, but I could see your point because 14 years, yeah, but it takes a while. If somebody starts researching and this thing has to catch up and then it, and, and it needs to come to fruition and and university while they might be wonderful places uh they tend to be uh sometimes a bit stodgy in terms of uh you know uh, putting things forward very quickly especially because you're doing it for the sake for the sake of doing it not sake of making money so you right. get to develop lots of different things and some of them work some of them don't it's interesting what you're saying yeah and and i'll 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 throw one other thing out there for anybody who's thinking about this, but wondering about the timing. Crypto is an interesting asset class in that it began as a purely retail phenomenon and slowly has professionalized and is now starting to be embraced by institutions. Uh, and that's another reason why I think now is a great time to start doing the research because I actually work with some of them biggest financial institutions or know people who work there. And they often ask me like, hey, you know, what, what what can you recommend to me if I'm trying to find some quality research just to help inform my thinking about how to set up a trading desk, what strategies to use, how to invest, what to invest, et cetera. Uh, and I tell them, well, you know, very little of it exists, but the institutions are coming for a couple of different reasons. One is that the infrastructure is finally getting there. A lot of the crypto infrastructure, like custodians, exchanges, wallets for managing private keys, it was just not institutional grade. Uh, and then in the last couple of years, it's starting to get there. Um, two regulations. Um, the U.S. is an exception, is the exception, but in most of the major markets in the world, whether it's Europe or Asia or Middle East. There are now regulatory frameworks in place that allow major institutions like hedge funds, pension funds, et cetera, sovereign wealth funds to start investing in crypto. And then just time. Um, you know, it's been long enough. And like most people I meet now will be like, well, I, I guess Bitcoin is going to be a thing. That's not going away. The other stuff I don't know. And, you know, they like say some of the stuff is still dumb, like NFTs. Um, 
So I think in the next couple of years, there's going to be a groundswell of interest from professional investors who, like our would-be researchers, are looking to do something new and different and pioneering. And in some ways, they have the ultimate incentive to do it because I don't know how much alpha there is left in the equity market or the debt market. But this is a brand new industry. There's a lot of alpha that's uh, left to be squeezed. So pioneering portfolio managers are going to be migrating towards it. And they're going to be looking to the academic field to help them succeed. I like that term. There's lots of alpha to be squeezed. <laughs> but no, that's exactly what... This is exactly what's happening. Uh, well, so hopefully uh, with this podcast, we're able to at least jolt some uh, some interest. Uh, I certainly piqued my interest. Um, I thought there was more things done on, on, on at that level. Um, any uh, parting words or final comments? Uh, yeah. So for anybody who does look into this, be suspicious of people who come from a traditional finance background and think that the same ideas that work there work in crypto without modification. This is something I've experienced a lot in my career where I meet people say, well, you know, I know how how the bond market works and it has interest rates. So now, you know, when I look at a proof of stake blockchain, I'll know how that works too. Uh, or you know, like Bitcoin, people that have very strong opinions about whether what you know is Bitcoin money, is it digital gold, whatever it is. And I don't necessarily have the answer to any of these questions, but I do know that they are different enough that if you're going to apply any existing ideas, you're going to have to evolve and modify them. And I think maybe that's where the real opportunity lies, particularly for students and young people who are not trapped by ideas that, you know, you meet a 50, 60 year old portfolio manager, they've been doing things the same way for 30 years that are, it's going to be hard for them to change, but younger people, particularly ones who've grown up in a digital world, I think are going to be a lot more open to the future of being different than the present. Very well said. What can I say? <laughs> Hamid, thank you very much for your time. Uh, let's monitor this situation and see uh, what happens next. Yeah, I mean, you guys have a great program at Lehigh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys churn out. <laughs> Thank you very much.